2: Welcome back to Series Regular, the Hollywood Reporter's all-in podcast on genre television. I'm Josh Wigler, your host here on Series Regular, and we're wrapping up our Stranger Things coverage this week with one last podcast. This time a deep dive into The Upside Down with your friend and mine, THR TV critic and TV's Top 5 podcast co-host, Dan Feinberg. Dan, do you copy? I do copy, Josh. Is this the part where we're supposed to sing the never-ending story to each
0: other? If it were that part of the podcast, you definitely had to give me a little bit more lead time because (laughs) I wanted to make sure I got my harmonies right.
2: You're a musical theater guy. I feel like this would work out if we needed to save the world right now via song.
0: I feel as if if lumping the theme song from the never-ending story into the pantheon of musical theater may not be doing something (laughs) justice. I'm not sure what or which.
2: I know, Falcor is, uh, I don't know if Falcor is dead or not, but if he is, he's shaking in his grave. But we're closing the book on Stranger Things 3 this week, which means we're about to get into total spoiler territory for the remainder of this podcast. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things 3 yet, this is your last chance to tune out before we get into all the details. And to give you a little bit of a buffer, just in case you need it, here's a quick argument from season three about, of all things, new Coke. How do you even drink that? because it's delicious. What? It's like Carpenter's The Thing. The original is the classic. No question about it. But the remake? (sighs) Sweeter, bolder, better. You're insane. So? You prefer the original thing? What? No, I'm not talking about the thing. I'm talking about New Coke. It's the same concept, dude. Uh, Actually, it's not the same concept. It is the same concept. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hey!
1: Sorry. Sorry.
2: All right, Dan, season three is a wrap. You offered up your spoiler-free take and your review on THR a few weeks back, but for series regular listeners who didn't get a chance to read your thoughts then and with the benefit of being able to speak about it in full detail now... How did you feel about it? How did you feel about Stranger Things 3?
0: It's funny because when my review came out, when Netflix lifted the embargo on Stranger Things, my review was towards the negative side of the critical spectrum, I guess. And I saw a lot of reviews that said that... I don't know that it was their favorite season ever or that it was a big improvement on season two or things like that. And and those reviews didn't make sense to me. Then, on the other hand, since then, I've seen a lot of people on the interwebs, actual, you know, civilians, viewers, however you want to put it. And a lot of them have come down very negatively on the show and have criticized the show for a lot of things that are simply what the show does. And so... I don't know that I understand that negativity. So where I stand on the show continues to be, it's a fun show. I like watching it. I really wish they would do something very, very different in season four because I feel like I've seen all of their moves and I've seen all of their moves three or four times. So that's, that's where I am is, okay, that was entertaining. It's been entertaining and fun for three seasons. You've shown you can do this. Now, please do something very, very different in season four.
2: What do you think the odds are of that? Because I I hear exactly what you're saying. I mean, this is the third season in a row where we're pulling from the upside down some hideous monster that is at this point relatively recognizable into the universe of Hawkins with these characters having to to race against the clock and unleash Eleven as a nuclear warhead against this creature. But the third season at least ends with the illusion of possible and probable change. We have a main character who is MIA, at the very least, potentially killed in action, depending on if you believe it, which I do not, in the form of Chief Hopper supposedly being killed at the end of the season. We have the Byers family moving away from Hawkins. We've got a lot of things that are are fairly significant status quo shifts if if the show plays fair with it. What do you think are are the odds that season four will be markedly different from seasons one, two and three?
0: Well, we have those things you mentioned, but the still the post credits, quote unquote, twist is still another freaking Demogorgon. So, you know, on one hand, it's like, OK, here's how we're going to do different things. Here's how we're going to definitely change the show going forward, but I don't believe for a second that Hopper is dead. I I always adhere to the if you don't see a body, they're not dead theory of television visualization so i don't think that's the case i don't think it would take very long for 11 to get her powers back i don't think it would require any particular complexity to get any members of the Byers family that we care about either back to hawkins or reunited in some way with other people so to me uh, some of the frustration of the home stretch of the season was that on one hand it felt like they were actually making this calculated okay here's how we're changing things and yet every single way that they did that felt really fairly easily undoable, and that irks me or pre-irks me, I guess.
2: Is is it kind of the the deal where since season three is such a you know of of a similar cloth as season two that the goodwill the goodwill buyers that perhaps you would you would have for Stranger Things being the kind of show to to really remake itself is that just not there based on sort of the 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 history of the way that Stranger Things has unfolded?
0: I I just don't have any evidence of of how the show works expanding its universe because. I, you know, I feel for you because I know that so much of your job is sort of unfurling and unraveling and unspooling of mythology. And this is a show that gives so much illusion of mythology without giving any actual mythology that it kind of boggles my mind. We know nothing about the upside down, nothing at all. You can draw no conclusions about it because the show doesn't care. And similarly, all of the monsters, they're all one dimensional monsters that have barely been explained to any degree. The show attempted to explain character backstories and kind of mythology last season, and people got pissed off at the show for doing that. So this season is almost entirely backstory free. Like the show's myopia is eventually going to be a problem. My tolerance for it is probably at an end, which doesn't mean I disliked this season. It just means next season needs to be something different.
2: So what does something different look like for you? What could Stranger Things do in a comeback season that would win Dan Feinberg over? That would be so different, so strange even, that uh, you couldn't even shake your fist at what's going on on screen.
0: I just think they need to find a way to not just make it another creepy crawly out of the upside down and whatever the answer is for... It's for probably what,
2: too late for that with the Demogorgon. Exactly, <laughs> <think>. exactly.
0: It's <laughs> But the question is, what else can they do? Like, okay, Eleven's powers and the things that she can do and the things that we know a number of her other peers can do, those are things that do not in any way require an upside-down-based activation. They could be activated by literally any adversary at all. So... I would like to see something that I don't know. There's a lot of the world is full of strange things. I feel like we've seen some stranger things, but what's the strangest thing, Josh?
2: The strangest thing of all uh, are the friends we made along the way. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I think pretty clearly the Duffers have invested themselves in the Upside Down, and I think you're right that we'll never know concretely what the Upside Down is who the Mind Flayer is, any of like the the politics such as there are of how things work within the Upside Down. And they've been fairly upfront with the idea that whatever we do find out, it's always going to be from the prism of the kids, of, uh, of the party, and how they interpret it, and the concrete specifics beyond that, I don't think that we're ever going to get. So I don't really expect to get any of that. But I think that the show has really made it very clear that it's us versus the Upside Down, and that's the series, you know, with the with with plenty of homages to other movies and other pieces of pop culture of the 1980s along for the ride, but in terms of shaking up its universe in a way where we're dealing with, you know, whether it's like aliens or an actual robot from the future if they wanted to go full Terminator instead of just like part-way Terminator this past season, that's probably not in Stranger Things' future. I really do think that we're gonna be dealing with the upside down all the way through. But I think all the way through is an interesting question because the Duffers have talked about season four, season five, somewhere around there being about the end point of Stranger Things. Do you get any sense that we're close to the end of the line after season three?
0: I I would say that I probably don't, except for perhaps the end of the creative line. So I I don't know that I feel like the narrative this season moved to a kind of a hump day perspective that it moved towards an okay now this story is closer to the end than it is to the beginning i don't know that i really felt that way did you feel like you could see distance ahead of you
2: well I think that eventually, I I don't imagine that the show extends beyond the you know the the core children being out of school. Like I, I feel like that idea of their youth and and exploring their their you know their progression through childhood. I think that that's always going to be front and center, and just by the flow of time, that's going to dictate that this show needs to end sooner than later. I don't think that we're looking at a fourth season as a final season of Stranger Things. The numbers are are great for Netflix for this show, highly, highly, highly viewed. I don't imagine the universe where Netflix is going to be looking to, to call this thing too soon. Uh, but I, I think that it can't, for me, creatively extend much further than two more seasons. And just to be a little more optimistic about it, I do think, fingers crossed, I do think that they've set themselves up for a situation where you could have Stranger Things taking place in a couple of different locations next season. You know, if the if the buyer's moving away from Hawkins really sticks, and let's say Joyce has taken Will and Eleven and moved them to a big city, that could be fun to explore. That could be Stranger Things actually earning a trip to Chicago unlike it did in season two and and just kind of like plopping us there. I feel like a change of setting could exist that way and could tell a lot of really fun stories with the kids. The Russian door is wide open right now because clearly that's where Hopper is, or at least that's what the show wants us to believe. So I think that there are still some avenues to explore that could be different. Fingers crossed that they'd be willing to go there. And I think that that could set us up for a final run, just not a a final season quite yet for me.
0: Well, I think you could always also do the do the it thing and you could have the story hop forward 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or 30 years and you could recast as many of the kids as you felt like you wanted to so that they could go through puberty and be normal or do whatever it is that's gonna happen with Dustin. Yeah, I, th- I think there are things they could do. I would definitely like to see them get out of Hawkins. I would, you know, I'd like to spend more time in the in the punk underbelly of Chicago. I thought that was a world that we definitely needed more time in again i would i would like to see a different feel whatever it happens to be i just don't i don't think it's endlessly resilient what they've established in the first three years and yet they keep spinning around in circles in that world so they obviously enjoy it and i don't you know i don't blame them it's not like it isn't a fun world and there are still references left unmade but i think that there could be a world to expand on
2: I feel like they're not going to age up the—I I feel like they won't recast the kids because 20 years from now they're going to want to make a Stranger Things season when all those young people have grown a little older. I feel like that's, that's something that they're not going to want to resist at some point in the future.
0: I feel as if there are probably good things in the Upside Down. I would like to see the lovable, cute sidekick uh, character come out of the Upside Down. Like, bring me the alien-like <laughs> yeah. Alf who comes out of the Upside Down to help the kids. That's what I want. That's it. a great
2: idea. Yes. All right, I'm in. I like that. I think let's let's go full ET here uh, with with Stranger Things. Four would be fun. What did you what, what did you enjoy about season three? Were there storylines? Were there scenes? Were there callouts? Were there Were there characters' performances? What were some of the things? that you did enjoy about season three
0: i really enjoyed maya hawk i i thought that she was good in the pbs little women that she did i, I think she's one of those rare hollywood kids where her parents are both megastars and she depending on the lighting looks exactly like both of them but she doesn't feel like a hollywood kid she feels like a very very natural young actress and i I I think I really appreciate that and I appreciate the energy she brought and I appreciated the, the different dynamic she brought to the season, so I liked her a lot. I thought that giving an additional role to Erica ended up paying some dividends and felt like pandering at the beginning but had value. I, you know, for the most part, I enjoy the interactions between these between these characters and I enjoy the world that they occupy because it's a world that I have a great affection for outside of Stranger Things, just referring to my childhood here. So I really enjoyed those things. And, you know, what I didn't enjoy was a lot of repetition, but but I had definite favorite things this season. What else did you enjoy from from this round of episodes?
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I had a fairly similar experience and I found myself being fairly turned off by what did feel like a fairly repetitive season story-wise. That just, it it felt a little paint by numbers. We're doing the Mind Flayer thing again. Really, you know, they they build up the Alexi character to basically be Russian Bob, uh, just to, you know, give you like a a lovable guy who they're going to kill off in the penultimate to make you feel a little more energized going in to the finale. There were moments like that, that I felt a little sour on. And then I went through it again I I took another pass at it mostly because I I needed to be a little fresher for some of the stories that I was working on and I found myself enjoying it a little more when I when I you know untangled myself from some of the story expectations and just tried to absorb some of the mood and some of the performances Maya Hawk I loved her as Robin and I love her dynamic with Joe Keery as Steve Harrington I think the whole scoop troop storyline I enjoyed a lot even though man, the Russians were terrible. Uh, They're just, it's like you could not have asked for a more ineffectual group of bad guys in season three of Stranger Things than than the Russians we saw here. When you actually have like two people who look like Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy running around your Russian base, not getting caught until the very last minute was pretty spectacularly unbelievable, but fun. And I think a lot of that comes from that being, you know, the four people at the core of that story with Dustin in that and Steve Harrington, and they've got that established dynamic from season two. That's one of uh, the few things from season two I really loved. And having that here and pairing that off with Priya Ferguson, who's great as Erica, and Maya Hawk, who makes a really great breakout as Robin here, I think that that was probably the storyline to beat for me in season three.
0: I mean, Josh, you're you're a couple years younger than I am, so you don't remember. That's pretty much what the Russians were like back in the mid 80s. That's that's just that's just how it was. There's a reason why they didn't win the Cold War, Josh. That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> I saw I saw the Americans, Dan, and that told a different story to me.
0: Oh God! We'll see what we need next season is more of a crossover with the Americans. Um, no, uh, let's see what did you? I kind of you... felt
2: like uh, Alexi sort of looked like a, uh, a a Phil Jennings in disguise.
0: I think that Paige and Henry would make perfect additions to the Stranger Things cast <laughs> next season. Come on! I agree.
2: <laughs> I think we could we got to work to make that happen.
0: How did you feel about the exploding rats? Because I have talked to some people who found the exploding rats a bridge too far. Me, I liked the exploding rats because I like when things go pop.
2: I enjoyed the exploding rats. I had no problem with the exploding rats. I thought that that the whole exploding rat storyline with with Jonathan and Nancy investigating the exploding rats. I didn't love that side of it so much, but I enjoyed having Mrs. Driscoll, the elderly woman as a person who is who is sounding the alarm about the sick rats in Hawkins. I felt like you could you could see what was coming a mile away there, but it was it was it was sort of fun and dreadful to be Hold, just sort of on a guttural level. I think that the episode that ends, I think it's episode five that ends in the hospital with Jonathan and Nancy fighting against the other people from the newspaper. And eventually they just turn into these disgusting piles of goo that slam into each other. It was gross. It was, it was nasty, but I, I thought that it was, I thought that it was sort of fun in a way. And I, I don't know what that says about me, but I, I did enjoy the goo. The goo didn't bother me at all. I'm not easily grossed out by that
0: kind of thing. I have to say again, I'm a few years older than you. That's really what it was like to work at a newspaper back in the 80s. People were constantly becoming— They
2: become, had just goo, goo monsters everywhere?
0: They were just—people were becoming goo. There's a reason why print media has died, and a large portion of it has to do with the fact that a large number of established veteran journalists from the 60s and 70s, when it got to the mid-80s, they simply popped.
2: I like it. Uh, I, I felt like the show maybe be uh, a little bit of a waste of a Busey with the Jake Busey character, I felt. But I, I loved Carrie Elway's as Mayor Klein. I thought that that was good throwback casting, you know, sort of the the requisite Stranger Things 3 has to to do some sort of subversive casting of an icon from the 1980s in a different type of role and having him play the smarmy mayor. I felt like it was a good fit. Do you have any casting aspirations for season four? Is there somebody that Stranger Things could throw into the mix in a way that would be unexpected and delightful for you?
0: Well, I think... Given the amount of this season that worked along Terminator lines, I would say that someone more directly from the Terminator franchise, be it Linda Hamilton or Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, darn it. If Arnold Schwarzenegger had been the mayor of Hawkins this season, that would have been terrific. It did not happen and that's okay. But along the same lines that you could have Paul Reiser guest starring last season in a season that, played heavily off of aliens references. I think that you could actually have people from the Terminator franchise make literal appearances. And so either Linda Hamilton or Arnold Schwarzenegger, who might be a little too expensive for the show, those would be my picks. How about you?
2: I feel like Michael Biehn is waiting for the call. I feel like he's been he's been waiting for this moment. You've got him as Hicks. You've got him as Kyle Reese. You've got your aliens and your Terminator uh, check marks in one guy. I feel like I feel like Michael Bean as some sort of marine going into the upside down. I'm calling it now. That's my official prediction for season 4 stunt cast.
0: I think you are definitely correct that he is <laughs> sitting at home waiting for the call. <laughs> that is that is accurate, yeah. I think.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like it's I feel like it's a good call. What did you think about Dacre Montgomery as as Billy, who I'm reminded of uh, of a young Michael Bean from the Abyss when I think of Dacre Montgomery's turn towards the dark side as Billy? Did you think that he was good as season three is Big Bad?
0: Oh, I would have thought see where I went with him is I felt like he basically was kind of half of the vampires from Lost Boys. That he that he yeah, basically sure. was doing his Uh, Keeper Sutherland from Lost Boys, etc. I I thought he was okay. I, you know, they sort of established the character as the bully asshat, whatever. Last season, this season they established him as the swimming pool stud muffin, and then that was it. He just then became a, you know, a piece of the mind flayer. I didn't think there was great depth, and I didn't know. I didn't think they did all that well with eleven. Poking around in his backstory—that that didn't feel all that meaningful to me. Uh, but I know some people like his performance very much. Are you in that camp? Yeah,
2: I like—I I am. I, I liked his performance a lot. I thought that he brought a lot of depth to the to the character. The story uh, behind Billy, I feel like again, a little bit predictable, which is fine to me as long as he's, you know, as, as long as he's performing at the, at the quality level that I felt like he was he was performing at. I'm, I'm glad that they killed him off. I don't think that there was much more mileage you could get from Billy. I do think that this is a show that I feel like could, could stand to be a little more dangerous than it is. There's just no way that Hopper is gone. And on one hand, I'm happy about that because I love David Harbour and I'd be thrilled to see him back in The Stranger Things. Universe, And on the other hand, I don't know that we would absolutely need to have Jim Hopper back in the Stranger Things universe. And I wonder if it would be more powerful if you just let that lie. But just to kind of go back full circle into, you know, as we're ending the conversation with some of the stuff we talked about at the front, there's no chance that he's dead, right? Like there's absolutely no way that Hopper is actually deceased. And how do you think he's going to pop back up? Is it just as simple as he's the American in the Russian prison cell?
0: Something like that. I, I think that probably they wanted to at least write themselves into a position where if, for example, Hellboy had been a massive hit, and if David Harbour suddenly had 15 other things that he needed to be doing instead, that they could reduce his capacity in the next season to two or three episodes or three or four, and then... Probably they don't need to, and so I suspect they will not. No, I, I would suspect he will be back in, if not a 100% full-time capacity next season, 85 or 90%. I, I would not worry for a single second about having seen the last of David Harper on this show.
2: Do you think that there's any chance—because I, I was thinking about the idea that Stranger Things typically takes like a year to a year and a half— Closer to a year and a half in between seasons. It takes a little while to get these episodes out. Is there any universe you think where netflix spins stranger things off and specifically while they have hopper's fate kind of up in the air can you imagine the world in which some sort of stranger things hopper mini season is announced which takes place in russia or follows hopper's trek through the upside down to get back to the people he loves is that the kind of world we're going to live in the stranger things cinematic universe
0: I think that probably Netflix would be smart to do that. I think they would be smart to say, hey, Duffer Brothers, we can't tell you apart anyway, so let's just treat you as a single unit, Uh, (laughs) whatever. Do you have a four-hour story in you? Do you have a six-hour story in you? Let's see how many different ways we can make use. Do you have a Christmas special in you? Whatever it is, if I were Netflix, I would be trying to find all of the different ways of basically futzing around in this world and... You know, they really haven't done that so much. I think probably someone thought if the Chicago Punks are popular, that's a spinoff. And then they really weren't, apparently. So no spinoff there. But yeah, you know, I I think probably a Brett Gelman based spinoff would be one that I would be perfectly amused to see. I am always amused when you can have Brett Gelman actually being a good guy as opposed to just being evil and icky. Yeah, I I think probably Netflix would be wise to try expanding this world at least somewhat. I would like to say that.
2: Before we wrap up, I just need to know where you stand on the never-ending story sequence. What your reaction was while it was happening, uh, how it has gestated within you as you have thought about it further, the more distance you have gone from Stranger Things 3. I thought it was
0: cute and and utterly of a piece with the series. I thought it was exactly what that moment was supposed to be, given the circumstances. And it sort of that lots of people were making fun of because I think there was an A V club Twitter headline that referred to how much they hated that scene. And no, I don't I don't understand how one would feel as if you like this as a show, but feel like that was the bridge too far for you. I that to me is is a strange way of viewing the show that I do not understand. I thought it was charming and likable and I appreciated how long it went on because if there's anything this show does, it's play with its references and allow them to go on for too long. So it's, it was, it, to me, it felt exactly in keeping with the show. Uh, where, how, how is it mellowed for you?
2: I mean, I, I, my, I think my first reaction was just my, my jaw was on the ground and I, I couldn't quite believe what was happening. And that quickly faded into laughter and uh, if not quite like an over the moon reaction, I think certainly amused. I, I, I was greatly amused and talented young singers in the Stranger Things cast, uh, established established uh, Broadway veterans. Why not give them a chance to, to show off that Broadway street cred?
0: I thought it was very likable. Definitely it was not my favorite thing in the world, but it definitely did not feel like an outlier to me.
2: Anything else on Stranger Things 3 that you want to get off your chest, Dan?
0: No, it's just going to be it's going to be a long time and uh until we get more, I assume, and that's that's fine. I do think they need to find a way to to make it even if it just involves mini seasons or a holiday special or whatever, they, they need to find a way to not make it 14 months or 15 months or however long until we next see it. Uh, if, if this is a thing they want to keep going and have value in going forward, they need to bring it back sooner. But I will be here whenever.
2: I think the holiday special sounds like a, sounds like a good call. Alright, well that's a wrap on Stranger Things 3, but like the Demogorgon, Series Regular will be back for all new scares very soon. We're always looking for show suggestions, so send that our way at seriesregular at com, or you can tweet me at round howard dan any shows that you're particularly excited about right now in the genre space what are you looking forward to or what are you enjoying even if there's something that's on right now
0: show i'm looking forward to in the genre space tv's top five podcast on the hollywood reporters the show i'm enjoying most uh no (laughs) that that wasn't what you meant at all but I, i
2: appreciate
0: the the plug i i feel as if we're in a little bit of a slow spot and so maybe it's the thing we don't see coming next that's going to be exciting whether it's well i guess we probably see watchmen coming but maybe maybe it'll be watchmen maybe it'll be evil on cbs god forbid there be a broadcast network show that people are excited for etc how about the dark crystal are you a dark crystal guy um it's a part of my childhood and so i'm definitely curious if i can kind of tap back into it but you know We'll see. It'll be the things you don't see coming. So when are you heading off to, uh, to Comic-Con, Josh?
2: Any minute now. By the time you are listening to this podcast, it is very likely that I am either in the air on my way to San Diego or my boots are already on the ground so if you if you see me out there in san diego if you are if you are one of the many people heading out to comic-con and you see me please shout and say hi i do scare easily so maybe don't shout just a like a, a, a modestly toned hello will do i hope to see you all out there at comic-con dan will you be there or are you sitting this one out
0: i was gonna say if you if you see me at comic-con something has gone very very wrong josh (laughs) but i wish you but i wish you survival and maybe even fun depending on your time
2: I think I'll have a great time. That's my that's my hope for myself as well. All right. Subscribe to Series Regular if you have not done so already to make sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe as well to TV's Top 5 if you have not done that as well to hear more Dan Feinberg with Leslie Goldberg every week. We will all be back with more episodes of the podcast very soon. Until then, take care.
1: And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean, vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.